0: Chapter twenty two of What the White Race May Learn From the Indian By George Wharton James This Librivox recording is in the public domain Chapter twenty two The Indian and Self Restraint Few of the superior white race would think of looking to the Indian for examples of self restraint, but I can give them here one of the most marked examples in history before the advent of the white man in america the various aboriginal tribes roamed over the plains the mountains the foothills and in the forests and with snare and trap gin and bow and arrow caught or slew the game needed for food these tribes were often hostile to each other they trespassed on each other's hunting grounds and in consequence often fought in deadly wars which came nigh to exterminating some of them they were not regardful therefore one would think of the rights or needs of others than themselves to the game they hunted and it is absurd so the school books would tell us to assume that they would be provident or careful to preserve game for the future hence they would slay ruthlessly the same authorities would doubtless declare indifferent as to the days to come and their future needs merely seeking food for to-day and gorging upon it to repletion in this case however the school books would be wrong in the hundreds or thousands of years that the indians controlled this great continent they never once killed out any one of their hunting fields when the white race appeared upon the scene game of every kind fish flesh and fowl was plentiful trappers and hunters went up and down the rivers where beaver and otter musk and mink lived and through the forests where birds nested and deer antelope and other game browsed climbed the mountains where bear and puma lodged and ever their bales of skins furs peltries and hides loaded the canoes and the decks of returning vessels here was the best proof of the indian's self-restraint and provident foresight for the future in that the white man found such an abundance of all kinds of game ready to his hand then came the master mind of an aster who valued money more than the future what did it matter to him that game of a hundred kinds disappeared from the face of the earth provided he could make a fortune what cared he that men and women would starve in the days to come, so long as he could pile up his hoard of pelts and sell them to add to his wealth? Modern commercialism, that damned and damning spirit of our civilization that sees nothing but dollars, that would shut out the glory of the sun rather than miss the ten percent close at hand, entered into the game. Then the sportsman and the pot-hunter of the white race came also, and between them and the buffalo bills who shot down buffaloes by the thousand for food to supply the builders of the transcontinental railways, in half a generation they cleared the prairies of the millions of noble buffaloes which used to roam in vast herds, left nothing but slender bands, or solitary animals, of the moose and elk and drove these into almost inaccessible solitudes for self-preservation and nearly stripped the country of deer antelope wild turkeys and sage-hens then they passed laws to protect game making a close season so that the indians who in their days of freedom and wildness needed no law but their own good sense and self-restraint Cannot now shoot at all, save in the few days when the restrictions are removed. So that, practically speaking, the Indian now has no hunting ground. He is debarred from obtaining wild game for food for himself and family, and all because of the infernal greed and equally infernal brutality of the pot hunter. Here, then, is a national proof for what i have said is practically true of every state in the country that the white race has much to learn of self-restraint from the despised indian self-restraint as to greed for until the advent of the white one indian never sought to build up mere wealth at the expense of or to the injury or detriment of his fellows this was the white man's way not his he practised self-restraint for the indians knew and realised that if the animals were killed too closely the species would soon become extinct and future generations if not themselves have to suffer to most the indian is a careless creature content if his belly is filled today, improvident for the future and therefore unwise unthoughtful and to be condemned may it not be in this apparent carelessness for the future the indian is wiser than we that he is deliberately exercising a beneficial restraint think of the wild hurly-burly of our struggle to accumulate and then consider the expense the worry the endless care of protecting that which we have accumulated one far wiser than the sages of today once declared that we were too take no thought for the morrow and in his whole teaching and life reprobated the struggle for wealth and the life of selfish ease that comes with its attainment one of the greatest curses of our present age and civilization is love of ease craving for luxury desire to have a good time we worship money because it brings these things forgetful of the teachings of history that luxury and ease beget sensuality and vice, and these in turn beget disease, decay, and death. I am opposed to great money-getting on this account, and would not amass a fortune if I could. As for leaving large sums of money to my children, especially my sons, nothing could ever induce me to do it if much money should ever come to me i hereby serve notice upon all concerned that i shall spend it wisely and usefully as my best judgment dictates as soon as i can and anyhow get rid of it so that no son of mine shall say that the money i left him helped him on the downward path the indian knows well the lesson that physical health comes only by the exercise of the body therefore he definitely refuses any course of life that would prevent it he welcomes for himself his wife his sons and his daughters physical work he also knows that mental and spiritual improvement come only by the exercise of mental and spiritual faculties and he shuns everything that stultifies them did he know english he could sing with thomas gray from toil he wins his spirit's light, from busy day the peaceful night, rich from the very want of wealth, in heaven's best treasures peace and health. And he puts into practical life what another of our sages well expressed when he said, Occupation and exercise are the handmaidens of purity and strength. Too often we merely read these wise words, the indian lives them in this the white race can well imitate him he faces hardship and danger with eagerness that thereby he may develop courage and strength he takes his sons and punishes them in what we should call a cruel manner to develop fortitude he sends them out into the desert mountain and forest solitudes that there they may meet and talk with those above every youth or young man who hopes to be a medicine man goes out to some such solitary place he takes no food no nourishment of any kind and fasts several days and nights he drinks nothing but a little water he sleeps as little as possible then if spirits come to him he must obey the teaching and requirements of each one these teachings and requirements demand the suppression of the natural instincts and desires and the exercise of positive restraints to an extent that the greatest religious devotee of the white race would scarcely be willing to submit to one spirit demands that water be drank but once a day no matter how hot the weather ANOTHER HAS THAT NO FOOD SHALL BE TAKEN ON THREE DAYS OUT OF EACH WEEK, ANOTHER THAT NO HIDE SHALL BE MADE INTO MOCCASINS, AND SO ON. THIS, THEREFORE, MEANS A LIFE OF SELF-DENIAL AND RESTRAINT THAT SURPASSES ANYTHING KNOWN IN CIVILIZATION. OUR CATHOLIC PRIESTS TAKE A VOW OF PERPETUAL CHASTITY AND OBEDIENCE. THE MEMBERS OF THE RELIGIOUS ORDERS GO FURTHER and pledge themselves to perpetual poverty but these indian medicine men who accept the aid of many spirits ten twenty and even thirty are limited and restricted in their lives to a degree that is as astonishing as it is to the majority of the white race unknown now while the specific acts of restraint of the indian may not appeal to me the spirit of them is much needed by our whole race self-restraint self-denial self-control are the bulwarks of spiritual power. He only is strong in spirit who can control himself, hence I would that the white race would learn these lessons from the Indian. Browning thoroughly believed in this spirit of self-restraint, self-sacrifice, self-control in his rabbi ben ezra he preaches some strong doctrines nothing is more needed today than the following robust and forceful words put into practical everyday living then welcome each rebuff that turns earth's smoothness rough each sting that bids not sit nor stand but go be our joy's three-part pain strive and hold cheap the strain learn never mind the pang dare never grudge the throw end of chapter 22